Well, good morning, everyone. Um, our background should be showing snowfall, I guess, <laughs> if we'd have been a little, a little, little clearer on that. We're doing this at a special time. We hope you got the message and are joining us. If not, uh, you can certainly be watching recorded. We're going early because of a lot of heavy snowfall in Topeka. We're not sure whether we may be closing the office early, so we thought we'd go ahead and put this together for you. Um, KSB Advocacy Team. I'm, of course, Mark Tallman. You see who we all are across the names. Thank you, Rob, for putting that together. Uh, as always, we're going to quickly uh, recap what happened the week that is just ending. We're going to look ahead to next week. I might just remind you that today was the deadline for bills to be introduced by non-exempt committees, which is the bulk of committees, but certainly not the only ones. Uh, the last day for work by committees of bills in the first house that are not exempt is Monday the 25th, and basically two weeks from yesterday, February 28th, is turnaround day when non-exempt bills are supposed to be through their house of origin or dead for the session. The legislature will then take a short break until March 5th. So I'm going to quickly go through some of the things that happened this week, asking my colleagues to kind of jump in. Uh, maybe the maybe the kind of first big floor action that we looked at in the House uh, was the uh, caper um, Reamortization bill, 2197. Uh, many of you may have saw Alan Conroy talk about that bill last week when he joined us. The bill had a hearing um, uh, Wednesday, quickly was recommended without or was referred without recommendation to the floor. And guys, what happened then? Uh, some procedural motions, uh, certainly some, some activity, uh, some recommendations, discussions around the COLA, separate right. bills that were going on there, uh, really a, a, a pretty, um, I would call it a pretty divided, you know, representing your party position uh, here mm -hmm. uh, on, on party lines and, you know, three or four, I think four different amendments offered, nothing active, and then a, and then a vote down pretty significantly. And then, of course, this was uh, something the governor had proposed as a way to draw down current uh, expenditures over the next several years, but at a cost of a longer payoff period, uh, longer uh, expenditures over time. Um, so while, again, most Democrats supported this, Republicans tended not to. Uh, not really a lot of debate on the substance, uh, but uh, Stephen Johnson, Representative Johnson, who is the chair of the tax committee, but very knowledgeable, formerly worked on pension issues, kind of made the argument we've really gotten close to being back where we should be, and I think while there's a lot of agreement, the reamortization will will take place at some time. Uh, that now is not the time. That at least was the position that the House took this week. Any other comments or thoughts? Well, it seemed like a pretty uh, Republican leadership kind of move to to uh, uh, to put this bill up and have it kind of fail. And I think uh, the, the, the plan by the governor would have freed up money. So, of course, that does affect, uh, uh, could affect uh, school finance. Uh, in, certainly, in certainly affects the budget long term. And mm -hmm. that was the point that the governor made. This doesn't really affect the kind of next year's budget, which she, what she's laid out. But the point is, as we know, things like, well, school finance phasing in over time uh, does, that's, that's part of the concerns that is being raised. So I think the reaction the administration was, well, this doesn't necessarily wreck the budget, but it, it is an issue, and, and the legislature has really not gotten serious about working on the budget yet. I think it would be good to note that, you know, long-term CAPERS benefits are not at risk through any of this. You know, the fund is actuarially sound. It, you know, there's some catch-up payments that need to be made, but I know sometimes legislators hear it 
at coffees. What are you doing to save my capers? And so, right. just to be clear, a, a big, that's request. right. One of the this was one of those things that the concerns about capers that have been raised in past years uh, by by Democrats, right. Right. <laughs> among others, uh, was part of what I think came back into that debate. Uh, no doubt there were some partisan issues. No doubt there's some substantial policy issues. And frankly, um, this does not absolutely kill the bill. It, it still remains on general orders unless something was done today. But it certainly shows that at this time, uh, the, the body is not really interested in looking at that option. We'll, we'll see uh, down the road. And it, it, probably that's the best thing to make is it really kind of sets the stage for as both the appropriations and ways and means move forward. It kind of explains to everybody there's not appetite for this amortization mm -hmm. plan, so we need to build the budget without that as a mechanism for freeing up ending balance numbers. Right. And, and so really the conversation moves forward, and, and it's a piece. And as the governor had mentioned before, for the FY 2020 budget, it's not a necessary action. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it'll be long-term visioning and planning those five-year things. That, that's where the conversation will go, right? right. That the state, <laughs> well, we'll be broke again in a few years. Yeah, as, as, as everyone is saying one way or the other anyway. <laughs> Another bill that came out of committee, not yet to the floor, is Senate Bill 7. That's correct. Leah? Senate Bill 7 is uh, Representative Tom Hawks, excuse me, Senator Tom Hawks' bill that allows school boards to hold their officer elections in, uh, in early in the year. You know, they take office in January now later in the year or in July as, as you know, is current statute. So it lets folks elect those officers as the new board takes office in January if they like, or they can do it at another time that they establish during their organizational meetings during the beginning of the calendar year. This was uh, introduced to help clean up some confusion that came about after school board elections were moved to the fall, but the statute was not corrected that still uh, requires officer elections to be in July. So just sort of some confusion around that, and that's that's being fixed by this bill. It was also amended uh, to allow the Wichita School District to hold the election to any elections to change their voting plan, which is how school board members represent various areas of the school district. They can, through that amendment, would be able to have that election at a primary or a general election instead of only at a special election, which is a uh, cost to the school district. So that no, is that that wasn't was that limited to just Wichita or did that right? Right. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it was, Wichita it was requested by it. Right. Wichita. That's yes. what I Good wanted to make sure I understood. Yeah. So this is simply that if you want to change, if you want to go to a different voting plan, more right. at large, fewer at large, right. who who votes, all of those issues. Uh, current law, you have to have a special and probably expensive, expensive election to do that. This means you could either do it at a at a regular election, general or primary, or still or have a special, special. election if you want. Yes. Uh, might just note that there was another bill kind of floating out there dealing with uh, when uh, other municipalities would take office sure. after the fall election. At this point, that is not affecting school boards, correct? Right, yeah. I, 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 I believe it's SB 105, if uh, I remember that correctly, right. uh, that, that had a hearing actually prior to them acting on SB 7 this week. And, and ultimately what it would do is, is specifically for uh, cities, uh, it would allow them to to set a date between December 1st, following certification of the elections, up to the second Monday in January for the transition in office. And, and the, the argument from the, uh, or the, not the argument, but the presentation from the league was simply, 
the pomp and circumstance of changing office is more enjoyable if it's during a regular session when you have your your entire group there versus squeezing in a special meeting and right. going through all the the declarations of time and, and the public statements and, and the timelines you have to create to do that uh, to meet the specific date that the legislature set. So most likely that will move forward. We, of course, had discussed this during our, our fall and regional meetings mm-hmm. uh, and asked our members. Our members didn't really take a position, so school districts didn't take a position about moving ours, so school board elections won't be moved. They will take place the second Monday in January unless there's a push to add that in there. And, and I guess that would be the thing to think about, of course, This if, if this does come out of committee for cities, it is amendable. Your senators or legislators might be asking, well, what do you think about that? Again, because we've not been instructed by our members, we would just encourage all of you to have these thoughts. Everything we've heard so far about Senate Bill 7 has been supportive of creating that option. That really is kind of the, the perfect option to, to be able to, uh, to, do, to do it when you wish. But that's only the officer election, not when you take office. Correct. So we're not pushing anything until we hear from our members we should, but you, you may be getting questions from your elected leaders. A couple of other things we'll just hit real quickly. Senate Bill 44, you may remember, uh, kind, of a, kind of a big deal. That is the uh, the governor's bill on increasing funding for education to respond to the Gannon case. Hearings wrapped up on that this week in the Senate um, uh, uh, Special Committee, Select Committee on Education Finance. Uh, they are not have not yet scheduled the time to work that bill. Would note that Chair Molly Baumgartner had asked us several questions, including the big one, well, how are districts using this money they've already gotten, um, particularly to help struggling students, which was the basis of the lawsuit. We've asked you uh, through KASB and also United School Administrators to send us kind of a summary of what you're doing. Thank you that have. I think we probably now heard from about half of our districts. We'd love to hear from the rest of you. We're going to put that together into a document that we will share with the committee and then, frankly, others. In fact, remember, if you send it to us, look for it in tweets and and on our website and everything else because, you know, what, what this really does is illustrate very clearly how you're using Using those dollars and and the, and the particular projects and positions you're talking about to improve education can't overlook that and as we're seeking that information we're really asking you to do the same locally send it directly to your legislators make sure your patrons understand it put it in your publications and and website and social media so thank you if you've responded if you haven't please do if you don't know what I'm talking about get a hold of us <laughs> and we'll let you know um, I am going to just very quickly mention a couple of other bills. I would welcome my colleagues to jump in if you think we need to go into much more detail. Um, yesterday, the Senate uh, or the House K-12 Budget Committee had a hearing on a bill that essentially would say if a child, well, under current reading, observes right. an act of bullying, it is likely to be amended to a student who is a, a victim of bullying, um, would be entitled to basically a private school voucher. Uh, you also would be entitled to go to another public school, but of course that is really already an option. Uh, It would not require a public school to accept a transfer. It would not require private schools to to accept a transfer. And so a lot of the argument from opponents, and KSB joined uh, with a number of other groups opposing it, was to say this kind of, in some ways, you know, says it's to solve a problem, but if the issue is kids may want to transfer and they don't know if they can, this bill, you know, doesn't, doesn't guarantee it other. Supporters, of course, said many kids get, in effect, desperate. They want a fresh 
start. They want to go someplace different. This would at least offer some hope, and that's sort of the name of these scholarships, Hope Scholarships. Leah uh, testified on that. Um, uh, anything you want to add? Well, there was some concern from uh, some of the other conferees about, you know, singling kids out that, you know, they're already... If, if they're being bullied, they're already kind of a target. And then if you're singling them out by moving them, that's certainly not helping the, the student any. Also, something that we brought up in our testimony is, um, you know, kids who uh, go to rural schools uh, don't really have another school to go to, either private or public. And so that's really uh, pretty disequalizing. And so should this bill be enacted, you know, I think somebody could almost immediately bring a court challenge about disequalization. So I guess the bill will be uh, worked at some point in the near future. So we'll see how that discussion continues. Right. We'll be talking about some other bullying issues a little bit later. Would also just mention, as we kind of tick through these, that um, the House had a, a hearing on 2108. This was a bill very similar to a Senate bill we told you about that has to do with at-risk funding and particularly enumerates the Jobs for America's Graduates mm-hmm. Program. Rob, you talked about that. Yeah, the, you know, really the, the bill would... Uh, Re- redirect the, the state board to examine the at-risk funding qualifications and look at all evidence-based programs that then could be included in that, ask them to go back and do that again. Uh, it also specifically would add into the language subsection there program examples as in the last year added into this subsection of statute was communities and schools program. This would also add uh, jobs for America's, gradu- America's graduates, uh, Kansas program. Uh, our testimony was neutral on this, saying these programs both are included and recognized by the state board as justifiable expenses of at-risk funds. And in fact, schools use their at-risk dollars currently uh, to support these programs. And it's really kind of an unnecessary step. Uh, the conversation at the end that I directed uh, the uh, chairwoman uh, Williams to was that uh, you're going to see more and more requests for this every year if we begin naming groups because there are many great programs, both in school, after school programs. The Boys and Girls Club of America was there to say, well, if we're going to name programs, we'd right. like to be named too. And she likened it to uh, sales tax exemptions, and I thought that was a great example. That Yes, once you open the door, you're asking for everybody to come and make their case for why they should be included too. And, and particularly as the bill, even as it stands now, does not does not assure funding for those groups or limit right. it to anyone else. It's simply kind of the kind of I, we feel good about being named. Uh, right. That is comforting, but uh, again, it, 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 at, at this point, our position is the bill really doesn't do anything, but it seems to open the door for maybe potential problems if you start having a list that grows but right. isn't exclusive. Um, okay. And then I guess, Rob, while you have the floor, maybe a few brief comments about House Bill 2166 on financial literacy. Sure. 2166 was the first of two different bills that would uh, create requirements for graduation uh, based on a particular class program and curriculum. This one was on financial literacy. Uh, not the first time this bill's come, or a similar bill right. has come before the legislature. Our testimony in opposition, and the main focus being not that, though some 
other conferees may imply that we are testifying against financial literacy. We were not. In fact, we are testifying against overreach of the legislature. This falls under the purview of the State Board of Education and local boards and their decision as to how they should focus there. Uh, in fact, USA Kansas also testified that day and had done a quick survey of its members. Uh, on behalf of GA, I'll thank everybody that responded quickly to that. Um, many districts that responded either already require some sort of financial literacy in their programming, uh, are adding programs of requirement, and do incorporate these tenants that were outlined in this in their educational uh, goals and efforts. Uh, we will talk next week, but uh, that second bill, as I said, next week we'll do something similar, we'll be focused on computer science, and we'll talk more about that later. That's right. So this is another bill which had a hearing, no action yet, likely to be considered next week, certainly something that could be headed to the floor before turnaround or after turnaround. So this is one you definitely want to be talking to your legislators about your own concerns, Certainly, as a board, you may feel financial literacy is important. You may think this is a great idea. You may have done it in your district. The only thing you have to think about is, do you want to be told you have to do it in your district and that every child, regardless of their circumstances, has to have essentially half a unit of, of studies? That's really the point. Well, and I, and I may add that I was over at the State Board of Education meeting when they were hearing this bill, and, and they talked about the financial literacy bill and the computer uh, course requirement bill. and. They were of the opinion this is the state board's purview, and they were going to try to talk with some of the legislators about that. And, Scott, since since you've piped up, uh, maybe the last area we want to talk about this week, some of the discussion uh, of the mental health uh, proposals and where that might be going. Well, the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the school mental health intervention program, a pilot program that was uh, allocated $10 million for this uh, school year, uh, there's been a lot of uh, presentations uh, to legislative committees about that program, and uh, the legislators are very interested in it. And, and uh, by all by all accounts, so far the program is doing very well, and uh, the schools uh, that are participating in it uh, are singing its praises. So it's getting really good reviews. Uh, I was at a committee meeting where there was also a presentation uh, on uh, school-based uh, health clinics, right. and that is also something that um, uh, there is a, uh, the, it's called the Community Care Network of Kansas, which I think was formerly the Kansas Association of Medically Underserved, and they have a $20 million ask of the legislature a, for four, to spread out over four years to try to start more uh, clinics within schools. And um, so far, I think there are seven within the Wichita district, and there are several other districts. And this is a one-time four-year uh, allocation that they say will start up about 40 more clinics. So that is out there. Uh, one of the senators asked, well, is this within the school finance formula? And they said, no, we don't want to take any money from the school finance formula. This would be on top of that. So it'll be interesting to see you know, if that gets any traction. And I think that, that kind of leads us to the final thing we may want to wrap up on, and that is, as the legislature continues to look at the school finance issue, you know, what are the, one of the key things they're going to have to decide, first of all, is whether to agree with adding the, the governor's proposal or more or less more money to what has already been approved over the next four years. The Supreme Court has basically said you, you've got to, you've you still got to do something about inflation during the phase-in period. Governor's proposal uh, does that. Um, the question 
the plaintiffs who've kind of tentatively signaled support for that believe it should be in the base. The state board's proposal is on the base. And I think what we're hearing is just a lot of discussion around, well, if we're adding more money, should it go in the base? Should it go into some of these other programs we hear about? Should it be more targeted? And and so I think that is the discussion that you really need to be having. I was asked by a reporter to comment on that. So my quote, uh, if you, I don't know whether it's appeared anywhere yet or not, <laughs> is to say, I firmly believe that both most legislators and most school leaders, we act, we absolutely share where the money should go. Uh, it, it needs to go to competitive salaries. It needs to go to programs to help kids be more successful, like early childhood and special education. It needs to go to health programs, mental health, counseling programs, exactly what you're talking about. And it needs to be focused on uh, programs to help kids be more successful, getting ready for college, dual enrollment. We all agree on those. The question, though, is whether the legislature should be the one to specify how those dollars are parceled out, or through the base, it's up to local districts to weigh the relative priorities. That's going to be, I think, the key debate. And again, I think that's the discussion you need to have. Don't think there's any agreement where the money will be spent however you do it. The question is how that may break down in individual districts. Does the legislature decide or do local school boards decide how we'll make that allocation? Okay. Well, let's look ahead then to next week. I'm going to just start because, as I say, we've, we've got a lot of hearings. We, we likely will see some more. First one may be the easiest. On Monday, Senate Education has a hearing on Senate Bill 47, um, creating the Student Opportunity Scholarship Program. This is really pretty simple, and it's one we are going to support. It basically says if a student can graduate a year early, graduate after three years of high school, basically the base state aid per pupil that they would have received for their senior year that now would not be paid, will instead be put into a scholarship program for, for them to use in a post-secondary program in the state because of our support for the Kansans Can Vision and our support for, and, and the key element of that, getting more kids through post-secondary education to that level, we are going to support that. That's the easy one. Also Monday, at that same time, uh, is House Bill 2233, which would require all districts to provide a $500 stipend for every classroom teacher to purchase classroom supplies. Who's handling that? Leah. Leah, yes. So uh, while we certainly do not uh, oppose teachers having money to spend, our our, uh, our opposition to this bill is going to spring from uh, sort of some questions. Is this, uh, if you're just wanting to give teachers more money, then perhaps you should put, the, put that toward, you know, teacher salaries. Also, you know, we have to really note, especially as school board members, that something like this is outside of the negotiated agreement. So that that's a factor that we have to consider. It's also kind of a one-size-fits-all issue. I mean, you know, um, $500 to a first-grade classroom teacher versus $500 to an upper-level teacher who has a computer lab full of equipment, it's, you know, it's quite different. We also have to, you know, think about some teachers may not even want or need that stipend. They, right. you know, are able to, to decorate their classroom or, or supply it, you know. Particularly with- if compared to other ways those dollars might be used. Exactly. It could be in their salary. It could be right. in supplemental pay. It could be right. in, other, in other school needs. This basically directs what we estimate to be about $15 million right. that has to be used in one particular way in all cases. Right. And also we'll note that, you know, many uh, districts and buildings already have budget lines for that right. that teachers can access. And so while, you know, I think the uh, 
the intent behind this is probably laudable. You know, there are some issues for school districts. So, so keep it, be, be thinking of that. And again, we're actually kind of giving you your list of what you can be talking right. about your legislators. If your eggs and coffees and eggs and mm-hmm. issues, if they're not canceled for snow, these are things mm-hmm. to talk about. Let's then also on Monday move to House Judiciary 330, sure. House Bill 2219. Rob? House Bill 2219 would require uh, all, all Kansas uh, organizations that fall underneath the Kansas Open Meetings Act uh, to record uh, either video or audio and make available to uh, the meetings that are that are subject to coma. Uh, our concern with this bill and, and the, what we will testify on Monday to the Judiciary Committee is that uh, it is not very specific as to how long those must be available, in what way they must be available. Is that digital? Is it a physical recording? Uh, and it's also a little bit worrisome that all organizations that technically are open to meetings uh, could mean many. So uh, while maybe the intent could just be our regular school board meetings that occur on a weekly, biweekly, monthly basis, uh, the Bill as read could also mean that every one of our district site council uh, meetings, Mm -hmm. our building site council meetings, uh, any sub meetings that are funded and directed by the school board, which is a tax entity, thus all of its subcommittees that uh, that have any direct control over the authority, any any authority uh, related to their taxing is open to that that meeting. So. It could potentially be a pretty onerous bill, and probably because of its uh, non-specificity mm-hmm. uh, is really some of the concerns that we share with the League of Municipalities and also probably every cemetery board in mm-hmm. one of 1,600 townships in the state of Kansas. So, again, be thinking about the implications for your district, although that hearing is coming up pretty quickly on Monday. We would welcome you to weigh in on all of these. Certainly technology has changed, and I suppose if there's nothing more than pushing Facebook Live and setting it here, uh, that might technically meet the uh, the requirements of the bill. But as you said, there's a lot of things that are not well known about it. And those of you that watch our Facebook Lives know they aren't always the smoothest operations, <laughs> but we hope you do generally appreciate them. Uh, anyway, we certainly are getting a lot of views. Why don't we turn to Tuesday? Rob, I'll stick with you. Tuesday, Senate Education is having a hearing on Senate Bill 148. Sure. Senate Bill 148, the focus of this uh, this is going to be the, the building bill, correct? Yes. yes. Yeah. Sorry, my, my, my screen keeps going blank on me <laughs> as I time out. So this one is a focus on the uh, ability of school districts to uh, have bidding processes related to specified or restricted technologies or methods uh, and, and what they have to do. This is It looks to be an answer to as, as technologies and building construction changes and architects and or uh, school boards may design and request specific uh, proposals proprietary type technology or information. Maybe it's a specific type of turf, uh, maybe a specific type of fastener or a roofing system. Uh, Could potentially leave bidders out of the process if they do not have access to this. Uh, This bill looks to remedy that to make it so that you cannot be as exclusionary in this technology uh, or make it open that you have to be able to receive three bids uh, if you do uh, include that in there. Our concern in opposition to this would be Uh, We're not sure that all of our districts in the state of Kansas can get three bids on anything that they do, uh, depending upon what potential service providers could be, especially in the related to construction fields and projects of remodeling that would fall underneath this. And, And secondly is we feel like most school boards... 
uh, seem to act in the best interest of being most efficient and effective in their use of tax dollars. And sometimes that may be specifically utilizing a technology or a type of construction material uh, that is shown to be the best investment that the school district could make. And this bill could potentially limit that opportunity, thus making districts building and construction projects less efficient, uh, which seems to be uh, at odds with some of the discussions that have occurred in Topeka of late. Again, this is just another one. The hearing is Tuesday. That means that they're probably going to be looking for uh, testimony by Monday morning. So over this weekend, uh, particularly those of you that are in, that are in construction, thinking about mm-hmm. construction, uh, you may you may want to make sure that your folks that you work with, your staff, are looking at the potential implications of this bill, sharing that information. Uh, also on Tuesday, let's just keep going. We're going to switch back to Leah, I believe. Yes. Tuesday afternoon, the House Education Budget Committee, another bill dealing with bullying. Right. This is House Bill 2257, which uh, sets some requirements for school districts to have bullying policies, make them public, make sure families and students know about them, and uh, make sure that folks are investigating bullying complaints that come to them. Now, I think a lot of you will say, well, we already do a lot of that. Well, and that's true. We do. And I think all school districts will say that, you know, bullying is a terrible problem and it's something that we all need to do better on. But in spite of the fact that we feel like we're working very hard to combat bullying in schools, there are elements of the legislature and elements of society that feel like we're that not enough is being done. You know, results aren't happening. And so that is uh, kind of the genesis of this bill. It's not overly prescriptive. It doesn't give, you know, timelines. It doesn't give, you know, real uh, specific uh, policies that would be a problem for our members. And so for that reason, we are going to testify in support of the bill. Again, I think we'd encourage you all to look at that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Support does not necessarily mean everything is perfect. Correct. Uh, There are certainly going to be probably some areas of concern, might warrant more study. But I think our feeling is, you know, either wide support or belief that bullying is a serious issue. It it certainly impinges on student feelings about safety and their ability to be uh, productive uh, or successful students. So um, we're looking for ways that we can kind of try to reach with others to continue to to focus on the issue, find good, effective ways uh, to operate. Those districts that are doing things well should should be fine. Um, if not, we want to, I think everyone wants to work sure we can get to a good place. But again, we would welcome your input. We would certainly encourage those of you that have thoughts, experiences. There will be people who don't think the system is working well at That's that right. committee. And they will be there. There That's will be right. there. So if you've got That's examples right. of what you're doing, successful programs, better options than this bill, we would strongly encourage you to be there or to contact with us as we try to work forward. Um, This is something that really unites people across the political spectrum uh, of concerns, and Mm -hmm. you know, it's an example where where we want to be hopefully in a proactive uh, position. And the, uh, I think the final bill we know about as of now, I keep checking my phone to see if anything else (laughs) comes across, uh, is uh, you've mentioned a little bit of it Wednesday. 
at uh, 130 in House Education, 2183, the, uh, the uh, computer uh, class, science class. This is the, the second verse of the song of requirements of, of graduation. Uh, this one, of course, will be on a computer science class uh, that could be required. Our testimony most likely will be similar to that of the financial literacy. Uh, there is certainly value of computer science classes being made available and, and part of the curriculum in schools, and we feel that the state board and local school boards should make the decision on how and when those should be required as students participate in uh, as the Constitution of the state of Kansas kind of implies. So that's what we know. Again, we always say, although KASB will be weighing in on these uh, based on based on positions we've taken or based on our best best judgment about what supports those positions, um, legislators always like to hear from uh, real people. I guess they don't consider lobbyists real people for the most part. <laughs> so if you can bring in real world experiences on any of these uh, examples, whatever your position, that's certainly something the committee values. We would encourage you to do that. We would also keep keep watching uh, because as we move up against that deadline, it is certainly possible that uh, new other bills that are just introduced in the last few days could be squeezed in for hearings sometime later next week. Of course, there's also the possibility of next Monday, so we'll be covering that next week. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. You'll, you'll notice if you look at our capital calendar, which you can find at the KSB.org under the advocacy page, uh, many of the meetings scheduled for Thursday are meetings on the call of the chair. Exactly. And that is kind of the reservation space that uh, we haven't quite decided if we want to discuss a bill. We'll save this space and and let you know as late as possibly Wednesday right. that we could call a hearing. So, so be prepared to potentially react to some of the other legislation that is currently out there. Hopefully we're doing our best to keep you informed and of course we always welcome your feedback between this activity, our daily Facebook lives, the, the, uh, the, the, the daily legislative roundup that the Scott's putting together all the time and, and, and other activities. We're trying to keep you informed. Uh, if there's anything we can do better, if you have specific questions, feel free to reach us. Um, I've just been noted that we will be heading home probably out of the wow. KSB office. We'll be closing at noon today, but I'm sure you know how to reach us uh, over the weekend. So stay warm, stay safe, uh, and we will plan on having another update for you next Friday. Thank you.